We've got another episode of Swings and Mishes for today, and you're going to hear that in just a minute. Lots of interesting little tidbits on Victor Victor Mesa, the Arizona Fall League, and also a Boston Globe report on what's going on with the Marlins. I'll touch on that as well. Before we do that, you guys know that I have downloaded and upgraded my BetQL app for those of you who like to pay attention to where the money is going and following the public money and the lines and seeing who is favored and how much they're favored by and even using it to place your wagers. It is the BetQL app. You can download it right now for Apple or Android or Google Play and get an edge every single week before you place any of your wagers in college and pro football. They tell you all the statistical data, where the money is going, the percentage of money, both on the public and the sharps. It's just so important to use as a tool each and every week. I use it every single week before I do anything in terms of placing wagers. And not only that, but they do college football, the NBA starting this week. You can look at all the NBA games. Of course, the NFL baseball's coming to an end. They'll have uh, college basketball. Uh, they rate the games from one to five stars, tells you where the value is, and also lets you track your bets. It's the BetQL app. Just go to betql.co and download it now. It's absolutely free with some upgrade purchases available. It's what I use every single week when I'm looking at the point spreads. Now, here's a new episode of Swings and Mishes. Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome back to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am Jeremy Taché, your producer of this podcast, back with our true and only host, the one and only Craig Mish. Craig, how you doing today? Well, Jeremy, not so good. It's It's been a really tough week. Uh, you know, Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson, that breakup <laughs> kind of set me back a few days. And, and honestly, I, I just I felt it would be cathartic to come back on and do a podcast so I could get over it. Yeah, you just had to come out here and vent about it. Yeah, it was really been bugging me the last few days. And, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to talk about it. It was, made me very sad. So I thought that doing a podcast on the Arizona Fall League would would make me feel a lot better so here we are on this early week edition of swings and mishes you know you hope that uh pete davidson sort of slumping in his personal life does not affect christian yelich on the field as they do look nearly identical well no that's not so far i mean the brewers are uh, on the doorstep here they only need a couple more i think they're going to get there i said that before the series too i think it's mm-hmm. going to be houston and milwaukee Right. Uh, most likely in the World Series, in my opinion, which which could make for a good World Series. Who knows? It doesn't look like it on paper. It looks like Houston should sweep but or Boston, but I think Houston will get there, and then uh, you know, Milwaukee's really going to have to – I mean, I don't know this, what they're doing <laughs> with the bullpenning. It seems to be working. And, look, if they win the World Series, it's going to change Major League Baseball forever, but I just forever. Don't, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah, it's not for me either, but we'll start on the Marlins front and then dive a little deeper into that uh, later on in this show. And so starting with the Marlins, uh, the more important baseball than postseason baseball, it is the Arizona Fall League. Uh, A few Marlins players, actually more than a few, um, I believe there are seven Marlins players out in Arizona, um, but the two that have had the most success thus far and the two you would probably want to focus on regardless of whether or not they were having success, it's Monte Harrison and Jordan Yamamoto. Uh, just to rattle off some stats for you, four games played for Harrison. He's batting three thirteen. Uh, he does not have any home runs quite yet, but more importantly, he also has not struck out. Uh, and he's got a seven sixty four OPS. And then for Yamamoto, uh, he made one start. But he went three innings, allowed three hits, no runs, five strikeouts. So he looked pretty good as well. And his one appearance thus far in the Fall League. And 
you know, what does that mean to you? Uh, or, or what uh, effect does that have on the outlook for Harrison and Yamamoto going forward? Yeah, I think both players involved in the Christian Yelich trade, and we're getting a chance to see Yelich in the National League Championship Series. So it's kind of important, I think, that the results of this trade start to work out a little bit. And those are two key names, obviously, in the deal. The other one, Isan Diaz, and of course, Lewis Brinson. Uh, we could start with Harrison a little bit. They've been you know, talking about posting some video with an improved leg kick. It's very hard. I'm not there. It, it's very hard without seeing a spring training or without seeing him in the regular season, really without seeing him, Jeremy, in person to make a full determination, at least for me. And honestly, with him being in the Brewers organization for as long as he was, outside of looking at just some highlights from this year, I don't think anybody could make a full assessment as to specifically a swing change or a leg kick, but the results are favorable for sure. I think it's important for him to show some improvement in the uh, AFL after striking out so much in the minor league season. So definitely a positive sign for him. And I think that a full spring training of seeing him not just on backfields, but in major league games in Jupiter or Palm beach or wherever they play is going to be important. And believe it or not, we're only going to be a a few months away from that. So I'll look forward to that. The interesting name and again, I have a couple of people who watch the games in the Arizona Fall League, is uh, Jordan Yamamoto. So, you know, at this point, he's a little bit of a wild card. No one really knows what to expect from him. If he walked through the door, you would never think that this is a highly touted pitcher in any shape or form in Major League Baseball. He's only six foot. So, uh, you know, me being only 5'8", that just tells you something there. He's, he's you know, <laughs> not many guys are as tall as me or, or close to it in Major League Baseball, and I always point that out. It's funny. Uh, Yamamoto... The way that he was acquired, from what I kind of understand, is he was he was not somebody that was really heavily scouted. He was not somebody that that wowed you uh, off the page in terms of being there in person. He was he could be the first or one of the first Marlins players that they acquired by using analytics. I think from from what I'm kind of gathering, spin rate and just some of the numbers that they looked at uh, made him the extra piece in the deal. But he could end up being more of an important piece so as as the Marlins move toward uh, this more analytical future as they want to do in both the minors and major league level this is a name to circle to see if that uh, theory or those numbers ended up working out because again he's not 6'4 he's not 240 pounds he walks in the door you're not going to think of him as a stud he just has these outlying numbers that have really intrigued people and he showed it in his initial start in the AFL so no one really knows quite what to expect with a player like this, but certainly from a Marlins point of view, they have to be happy with what they've seen. And this excites me from the organization to see some of these analytics and to, to see some of these numbers actually work out. This would be a player in the past that Marlins would never look to acquire, but because of some of the data and the research they did, and they asked for him in this deal and they got him. So I'm curious about it. Don't know what will happen, but certainly the early results in Arizona look good. Right. And the biggest thing, as you mentioned, is those are two of the main, you know, two of the four prospects from that Christian Yelich deal. And as Yelich is continuing through this postseason, it's nice to see some success from them. Going from a couple of prospects already with the Marlins, we have to talk about uh, the one prospect that everybody's talking about. The man with two first names is Michael Hill. So eloquently called him on our first ever podcast. That's Victor Victor Mesa. Um, We still don't know much on the Victor Victor front. Um, last week, there were trades of Ryan Lilly to the Reds and Kyle Bearclaw to the Nationals to gain more international money. Uh, Mish, 
Victor Victor Mesa, where are we at? Yeah, th- this is one of the tougher stu- uh, stories to cover because, again, you're uh, it's a new player in Major League Baseball with so many different twists and turns of not knowing international money and no one really knows for sure who has what, who's in, who's out. You're, you're speaking to people and sources and try and look, I'm trying as hard as I can, but it, it, you know, I've, I've decided a few weeks ago that it wouldn't be likely that I would be the one to break the story. It just be, it, it's tough. I, I try as hard or harder than anybody else to break stories on the Marlins, but this is just a very difficult one with a lot of twists and turns. The one thing that I will say that, that piqued my interest the most, and, and look, I don't take social media all that seriously as it pertains to free agency, but I did find it very curious that Victor Victor posted a where should I play American League and National League on Saturday like that to me was weird not something that if I'm an Oriole a member of the Orioles organization or even Marlins organization uh, I mean look kids are going to be kids and I'm not old man yelling at the cloud it's just <laughs> I didn't get the utmost confidence that this was a done deal by seeing that sort of thing like I mean trolling the fans or engaging the fans is one thing but that definitely left me a little bit curious as to if the Marlins organization last week is saying, and Michael Hill is saying that they're hopeful or, or they're feeling confident that they're going to add these players. Like why, why is that happening? So uh, that I found curious. The Marlins have done literally everything possible they can to land this player. I mean, they could not have done any more. They traded Lily has been reported for a half a million. Uh, Barraclaw, uh, I was told a million the second I've asked, got told it was a million the second it would, but nobody would confirm it with me, so I didn't report it. Uh, and then it was reported later on that it, I think Clark Spencer may have had it uh, for a million dollars. So they added a million and a half at this point. There's other reports saying, hold the phones. Orioles don't have 6.7 million. They have less because they've right. signed other players. Nobody really knows for sure. So if this is a slam dunk and it's a done deal, why doesn't he just pick the Marlins already? Well, Jeremy, the reason is is because they're chasing the most amount of money that they possibly can. This hometown thing is nonsense. Um, they want to get the most money. And I'm, I'm supposing that Victor, Victor Mesa and his family and the agents and everybody else are, are trying to maybe even get the Marlins to spend more than they're spending right now. The Marlins could actually be in a position – and may, and perhaps the agents know this. I don't know the answer that uh, that they could force the Marlins to add more millions to this. I mean, think about that. The Marlins could increase their pool by even another million or two. Even Jeremy, if no one else can do that, they know that the Marlins can. So right. what? Maybe this is some sort of game that's going on at this point where they're saying, "I don't know this. This is just complete speculation. I could be completely wrong." That they're saying, "Well, we know." that you got $8 million to spend, go add some more money to spend. Right. And the Marlins could say, well, look, no one is going to spend more than we are, so this is it. And, and I, I don't know the answer. Now, I would have I thought without seeing the player send that out Saturday that this was really close to being done because the Marlins have done their job for sure in adding the money. But now I'm, I'm not so sure. The other thing that I was told by somebody that could be in play was, and, and this is a long shot here, but if the Orioles felt that they were out, the Rays, who have, I think, 4.5 or a half, they're the third team in this, make no mistake. Right. So the Rays could grab the Orioles' money mm. and then go above what Baltimore has in terms of the international pool. 
Now, this is what's important. The Marlins could then go above the Rays very easily. The Rays are capped. They've already made signings. They can't, the Marlins are going to have the most potential money to spend here. The question is, are they making the Marlins do that, or are they satisfied with the offer? I don't know these like, answers. I have no idea. What does have to be is, is the question at the end of the day. Is What does that number have to be? What do they yeah, have I, to get to? I don't know. I don't know. Now, and as far as the other kids uh, who are involved in this, Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor Mesa Jr. and uh, Sandy Gaston, I think way too much emphasis and discussion has gone toward these two. If this right. is all about Victor, Victor Mesa, the other players are a bonus. They are a throw-in. Uh, Gaston's bonus money, I would not be surprised if it was less than half a million dollars, okay? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, so you're looking at Victor, Victor getting six or seven or five or four, whatever it is, and Gaston getting half a mil. And, the, and uh, Victor Mesa Jr., who, who may end up turning out to be uh, a very good big league player at some point. This is the same thing, essentially, from what I'm told, as walking to, over to your local high school, finding the best 16-year-old that they got and throwing him a million dollars? Like, that's never going to happen. It's, right. He's, he's a lot of development. He's very young. And, may, and look, and God bless maybe him. Maybe they're working it as a package deal. I mean, or, or I've heard the, maybe the opposite, where it hmm. doesn't even – maybe there's a chance that he doesn't sign with anyone, and he just – uh, you know, goes back and, and works some more, gets better, and then becomes a million-dollar player in a year or two. I, I don't. It, again, Jeremy, I wish I had the the most information <laughs> or the most concise information. That is just me three, four minutes of spitballing the situation. Honestly, right. maybe some of what I said has some truth. Maybe some of it doesn't. But when you're trying to cover a story like this, and you're getting so many different opinions and so much information, some that is true, some that is fabricated. You got to be careful with how you report it. So for the most part on this story, I've been more quiet than perhaps any other Marlin story, only because uh, there are other people that are more dialed in on this situation than I am. Yeah, it's a complicated one for sure. And all sorts of different elements that we haven't necessarily seen because the Marlins haven't always been this aggressive in going after Never. international free agent. Never have <laughs> been. And and it's, it, it is a nice precursor. And, and for us, going back to, again, going back to that first podcast, Michael Hill very specifically stated the Marlins would be more aggressive in the international market. Well, we're seeing it. Let's just hope that it pays off. Yeah, and, they, um, and they, they can't, you can't look at it. I mean, some people will wonder and say, well, if the Marlins are so aggressive, then why didn't they sign anyone else? Like, why do they have all this money to just spend on Victor Victor? Like, shouldn't they have spent more money on other international prospects? And the truth is, is because that market was neglected for so long mm-hmm. that you can't just expect them to dive into the Dominican Republic or Venezuela and just say, hey, we got all this money. Who wants to come with us? Mm-hmm. You, but behind back channels, these kids are already predetermined. Some of them are even pre-signed to go with these teams. It just doesn't get discussed. Um, and, and I think that as time goes on and they integrate themselves more in those markets, the Marlins will be part of that discussion too. The other teams won't just be able to jump in and grab a player. They'll be working with the Marlins uh, or at least being familiar with them. And uh, it's, it's just a market that is very confusing. It's not easy to understand, but hopefully the Marlins uh, in the future, and I would think starting next year, will start to dive in to more of the players that are, are coming from those countries. And, and they just haven't had a chance to because it was neglected for so long. Relationships are previously there. Now those relationships will be developed. Right. There's a great documentary on all of this that I'm forgetting the name of, but there's a documentary from probably five, six years ago that talks about the agents and all of their influence 
on these kids and where they end up playing, sure. uh, especially from the Dominican Republic. I'll find that and tweet that out from our account just to link back to this podcast because I cannot remember the name at the moment. But but what goes on there is is obviously very unique in terms of free agent yeah. money international. And, and I'll and I'll tell you the the, the uh, Victor Victor Mesa's uh, agent and Mesa Junior. And um, and Gaston, I mean, the, the name of the company is called Magnus Media and Scott Shapiro and Barry Praver, the agents. But the man behind this whole thing is Mark Anthony. I don't think people realize how big Mark Anthony is in this. He is not just a guy who is the money backer here. And, and by the way, they have a big company and represent a lot of singers and athletes and talent. But right. he, Mark Anthony travels two games to see his players like he is very heavily involved in this and i'm curious to see because he's got so much money mark anthony's arguably one of the greatest latin american singers of all time mm -hmm. uh, based on his track record you wonder if he attempts at some point and, and they're already doing a good job but you're talking about taking it to the next level like uh I, i'm i'll be watching his career as as the head of this in the future that is certainly something I did not know. Uh, but all right, so moving on from uh, Victor Victor Mesa, and we'll go into uh, a story actually from the Boston Globe um, from Nick Cafardo. Um, and this is just, I'm just going to read this piece. It was within another story about uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees and a, and a bunch of different players, but just some thoughts from him. Uh, he says, quote, you just wonder what's going on in Miami. Gary Denbo the man empowered by Derek Jeter has wielded the axe liberally, letting go of probably the best infield instructor in recent memory in Perry Hill, while also firing one of the brightest young scouting directors in baseball. People in baseball are just mystified by Denbo's actions. Morale in the organization, I am told, is at an all-time low. Jeter has gotten off to a poor start as the man running the show in Miami with a lot of strange decisions, including the firings of a lot of good people and the empowering of Denbo. We understand from a financial perspective, the trading of superstars they couldn't afford, but the rest of it has made no sense. As one staffer said, quote, it's been ruthless, just ruthless, end quote. That's a lot in one paragraph from Nick Cafardo. And I'm just wondering uh, what you think about that, Greg. Yeah, Nick is is very well dialed in the Major League Baseball and has been for a long time. The terminology that he uses in terms of morale being at an all-time low is actually identical to the same terminology that John Heyman of FanCred used a couple of mm -hmm. months ago as well. So that does raise a little bit of an eyebrow to wonder if it is the same source or why the same terminology is being used. And certainly, um, I'm not. I would never question John or uh, Nick on anything that they will report. Uh, when John's report came out about this, I had asked questions to uh, my sources and people that I knew and said that, hey, this may not be very far off from the truth. Now, here's a couple of things that need to be understood. And by the way, as you know, Jeremy, and you talked about last week, Peter Gammons, who was also from that area, right. has been saying a lot of the same things and, and has had a lot of negative reports toward the Marlins as well. We don't know for sure what is true and what is not. I can only share what I've been told about Gary Denbo and kind of take it from there. Uh, I don't think that anybody questions Gary Denbo's work ethic, intelligence, or his ability to build a winner. And I think that that inevitably will be the test of time to see if he can do that here as he did with the New York Yankees. Uh, what, what people have told me is that Denbo has a pseudo kind of military style 
to uh, to the way that he is. Uh, you can either love him or you hate him, but at the end of the day, you respect him and you understand that what he's trying to do is is do what's best for the organization. That has definitely rubbed people the wrong way uh, from the lowest degree to the highest degree within the organization. I've heard that as well. Uh, it is it is his show. It is Derek Jeter's show. And if you don't want to be part of it or if you don't listen, then you can basically be shown the door. Mm. But in the end, he holds himself very accountable, uh, holds other people very accountable. And whether or not the, his style of leading uh, will end up working in the end remains to be seen. But I would tell you this, usually in the mil- military, when you have the boss and you have the leader and the captain, and everyone else falls in line, things usually go pretty well. It's those people who don't believe or don't want to believe that they don't. And I'm guessing a lot of this is coming from either former employees or employees that, of people that don't want to be there right now. Right. So uh, I, I can't speak to exactly what is going on, but I can only tell you that that's kind of what I've heard. And the word military style has been used to me uh, several times. Whether you like that or you don't, I don't know that that works within a major league clubhouse, but there's a difference between managing a major league clubhouse military style and, and managing an organization the way that you want to get it done. So I, I, I can't speak to it because my in, involvement with, with Gary uh, one-on-one has been positive. Uh, the last time that I saw him was at the instructional game on the field. And right. he went out. He went out of his way to say hello to me. Mm. So I, you know, personally have not had that experience yet. I'm only hearing things secondhand. Uh, we don't know if what he's doing is going to work. We have no clue. But the early results seem to be pretty favorable. I just don't know if anybody can necessarily disagree, uh, or I don't know if he's open to discussion on other things. I, I just I'm not in that room, and I just don't know. So we'll have to kind of see how things play out in the future with it but at least from what Nick is reporting as to the comparison to what John Heyman reported this is very similar stuff Jeremy I don't know that this is any different actually than what we heard two months ago and when I heard when I saw the term morale is at an all-time low Jeremy that's the exact terminology that Heyman had two months ago so it does make you wonder if this is all coming from the same person honestly Right, and it will be interesting because at the end of the day, it, morale will be at an all-time high if it all works. You know, that, that's what it's going to take is if this organization turns into a winner, we'll see all those things turn around and speak. Yeah, it, and it's also, it's also funny, mm-hmm. and, and, and again, I'm not saying that, that any of this reporting is wrong. It could be 100% accurate. But it's also funny that was morale at an all-time high over the last 15 years when this team didn't win a game? <laughs> So right. is that what is that the preference here to have things where everybody's happy and everybody's getting along and there's secrets and there's shadows and uh, no one knows where they stand with Gary Denbo everybody knows where they stand in the organization for better or for worse and to me that's what I want as an employee absolutely I want to be hugged and kissed and told it's going to be all right well maybe that's just not going to happen with the Marlins anymore and you know what if they never get good and they lose a hundred games for the next seven years. That Gary Denbo, they could look at him and say, hey, whatever you did didn't work. But the opportunity has to be given to him and the organization at least for a few years to see how this works out. you got to run it a little differently than, than last time for sure. Um, but going to the opposite side, so where the Marlins have been losing and they're, they're trying to build something, here's some franchises that have uh, built something. We're in the championship series of the playoffs in the MLB. Uh, in the National League, you got the Dodgers and the 
I, I would say surprise Brewers, although they were the best team for the final few weeks of the season, and it wasn't very close. Uh, and in the American League, you got the Red Sox and the Astros. So the Sox and the Astros are tied at a game apiece. Uh, David Price is finally a postseason winner in a start. Not really. Came out before five innings. Right, but at least there's a win. They won the game the he pitched in. <laughs> they won the game he pitched in, which is at least we're taking baby steps. Uh, and in the National League, uh, the Brewers now lead 2-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Unfortunately for Clayton Kershaw, he did not have a great start in game one, although uh, as a pitcher, I was incredibly frustrating watching uh, Yasmani Grandal behind the plate. He was rough back there, and I don't think it helped Kershaw's cause. Uh, and at the plate, Grandal, uh, last night, ended up uh, striking out with the bases loaded. He's yeah. now, now left 16 runners on base this postseason. I think he's a free agent, if I'm not base. mistaken, too. Oh, it's just a rough, rough series for him. For a guy that actually had a pretty decent year, has, has been a really consistent catcher, and defensively as well. So it's 2-1 Brewers. It's 1-1 Red Sox and Strohs. I don't really know exactly where you want to start on this. I'll, I'll go with just the earlier game today uh, since that's where we're at, which is the Red Sox and the Astros Um, in that series. It's one, one. Um, How do you think things are going to play out here as they're back in Houston? Yeah, I didn't think that Boston would win a game in the series. So I'm surprised already Mm -hmm. that they've won. Keuchel at home is one of the most dominant pitchers we've seen ever pitch in that ballpark or any other ballpark. I would expect Houston wins game three. Uh, I, I think Houston wins the series. I don't know how long it's going to go. Uh, I don't. Boston's bullpen held up very well the other night. I didn't expect that, and it did. So that goes against what I thought. But Houston just keeps fighting. They keep battling. Those guys keep hitting. Even in the ninth inning, they do. Uh, I don't see anyone beating Houston. I think Houston wins the World Series again. I picked it at the beginning of the season. I picked them last year to win the World Series. It's just some teams you know, and I think that in the offseason we'll talk about how this is a dynasty and how potentially the Marlins can really try and do the same thing that Houston did. Right. People are patient. That's that requires a lot of losing, but if people are patient uh, and we don't have to spend much time on it, Jeremy, but over in the national league, the, the Brewers now lead two to one uh, that basically clinches the fact that this goes back to Milwaukee in a worst case scenario. Think about it. Now the Dodgers basically in order to win this series are, are going to have to beat the Brewers three more times mm-hmm. and lose less than twice. It just doesn't seem realistic at this point. Last night was the pivotal game with, with Milwaukee winning four nothing. I don't know that the Brewers have the horses to get it done in the world series. It wouldn't surprise me to see six games. I mean, it could happen. I don't know how, <laughs> but it right. could happen. Right. I, it just, it's the Dodgers offense is not Houston's offense. So uh, I think that, that Houston does win back to back world series and uh, it will. I, I just I, I find Boston Houston a little bit compelling. I don't find the NL series as compelling, but you know, we'll see. I mean, strange things happen. I didn't I didn't think Houston would need seven games to beat the Yankees and LA last year either, and that that played itself out. So right. we'll we'll check back next week and we'll see who's in the World Series. But for now, I'll stick with Houston and Milwaukee uh, facing off in the World Series. Yeah, I I just don't see how the bullpenning. Uh, against a lineup like what Houston has. That's one of gonna the, be very hard. the best lineups top to bottom that I've ever seen. Uh, one thing that I do have to point out before we wrap this up, 
uh, just because this is a podcast with two Jews talking baseball. There is a Jew on every postseason team left in Major League Baseball, which I have to imagine might That's be great. the first in MLB history between so Bregman, Braun, Bregman, Braun, Jock Peterson, and Jock Peterson. That's and right. Ian Kinsler and Kinsler. Ian Kinsler. Yeah. Yep. So just had to point it out. Already yeah, pointed and out. Bregman and Bregman. By the way, I mean Braun is not really. A practicing Jew. I mean, he'll tell you that. Yeah. But Bregman really does come from a strong Jewish background. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I really wonder if he wins World Series MVP or if he gets to that point. And I'll leave you with this with Houston. Think about yeah. this for a minute. The Astros have gotten to this point in the regular season going 24 and 6 since September 1st. Everyone talks about Milwaukee. 24 and 6 since September 1st. They're tied in this series 1 1. They've already stolen a game in Boston. Charlie Morton hasn't even pitched. He was the hero of the World Series last year. Keuchel hasn't pitched in this series, and he's dominant at home. You cannot think the the Red Sox have a shot. You just you just can't. It, it may happen. I don't see it, and I think that uh, we're going to be sitting. We'll, we'll be talking a week from now about Houston being in the World Series yet again. They are not quite the Warriors, but. Nothing would surprise me. Machado to Houston, Kershaw to Houston, oh. Real Muto if he doesn't sign to oh Houston. Gosh. This is you, when you got to go for it, you go for it. The owner is all in on this, and the only one they'll lose this offseason is probably Keuchel. He'll be a free agent, and they'll give him a high five and say thank you for everything, and he'll go sign with the Yankees or somewhere else. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, you're you're watching the culmination of years and years of losing and great drafting and great development come to fruition. I I hope for the Marlins sake that this is what, this is the same path that they can take. I don't know if it'll work, but I am all in on losing a lot and gaining a lot in the end. That is best case scenario. Uh, Craig, great show. Appreciate having a chance to talk with you again. Just talking, uh, no guests. This is yeah, like a first no, for us, huh? Yeah, this is a first for us. We had it with Mike last week, but uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, you guys. I, did that, yeah, so. it's all right. Nice to have. Uh, no, we'll have somebody tonight. next we got week. The A team, you know, the A team of Craig. Step. I'm in. working on a couple of couple of prime guests. We'll we'll have it, and then and by the way, for people who are listening to the podcast, at some point soon, probably we'll do it every other week, or we'll or take. I mean, it, it is kind of the off season. We'll definitely run this through, maybe even through the World Series. Uh, and then we'll pick it back up for the winter meetings and things like that. But it's been a blast, Jeremy. Great doing this with you again. Yes, sir. As we wrap up here, don't forget the best place to place your wagers all season long, betdsi.com. Sign up bonus right now. Here's how it works. Up to $2,500, you put money in betdsi.com. They're going to match your bonus. You can bet on anything, college football. Uh, the NBA is getting ready to get started. Put your money in there. Use promo code SWINGS101, and they will match your deposit up to $2,500. That's betdsi.com and promo code SWINGS101. That's exclusive to our podcast here on Swings and Mishes. You can bet on the Heisman Trophy winner. You can bet on where you think Jimmy Butler is going to end up. They've got it over at betdsi.com. Every bet, every wager, you can get on it right now. And again, by using promo code SWINGS101, they will match your first deposit up to $2,500. Go to betdsi.com right now and start winning today.